Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2nd Chronicles. The book of 2nd Chronicles and chapter number 24. We're continuing with our series of the lineage of Jesus Christ and we're tracing this kingly line of Jesus Christ from Adam all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're about the halfway point now and watching as Jesus Christ is where he comes from. We've seen the history of Israel be put together, the history of Judah through its kings. We've already seen and observed the divided kingdom. We've seen some good kings pop up and we've seen some evil kings pop up. And we last ended up with an evil queen by the name of Athaliah who happened to be the child of Ahab and Jezebel, the evil king and queen of Israel that is known throughout history as their evil deeds. We've watched as the influence of Athaliah cast a huge shadow upon her husband who she convinced to do evil, upon her son, who he was a worthless uh, mama's boy who amounted to nothing. And then we watched as she took the kingdom herself and attempted to ruin it and to wrestle it away from God's promises to his people. And we saw as she failed and she was utterly destroyed. With this, we are now pick up the story with her grandson that had survived the purge of Athaliah. Remember, Athaliah had killed every one who would be a threat to her who are thrown, including her grandchildren. And Joash was a young boy who was actually delivered from a baby to go uh, be protected from Athaliah's reign. And now we pick up his reign in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter number 24. The book of Second Chronicles, chapter 24, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number one. Second Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehodia the priest. And Jehodia took him for two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said unto them, Go out into the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hasted not. And the king called for Jehodiah the chief and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. At the king's commandment, they made a chest and set it without the 
without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses the servant of God laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Now it came to pass that at what time the chest was brought into the king's office by the hand of the Levites. And when they saw there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to its place again. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. And the king of Jehodi gave it to such as did the work of of the service of the house of the Lord and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So the workmen wrought and the work was perfected by them and they set the house of God in his state and strengthen it. And when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehodiah, whereof they were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister and to offer without, and spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehodiah. But Jehodiah waxed old and was full of days when he died. A hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death of Jehodiah came the princes of Judah to make obeisance to the king. And the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord um, of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this, their trespass. Yet he set prophets to them and to bring them again unto the Lord. But they testified against them, but they would not give ear. But the Spirit of God came unto Zechariah the son of Jehodiah the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Why, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehodiah his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and requited. And it came to pass at the end of the year that the host of Syria came up against him. And they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. For the army of Syrians came with a small company of men and the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. And when they departed from him, for they left him in great diseases. His own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehodiah the priest, and slew him on the bed, and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. And these are they that conspired against him, Zebed, the son of Shimeath, an Amoritus, 
and Jehoshabad, the son of Shimroth, a Moabitess. Now concerning his sons and the greatness of the burdens laid upon him and repairing the house of God, behold, they are written in the story of the book of the kings. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his stead. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 24? The book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 24, and notice with me in verse number 22. 2 Chronicles 24 and verse number 22, notice the phrase, Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehodiah had done. Notice again, Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehodiah, his father, had done. And with this, we want to do a character study on Joash. And we're going to see this is the turning point of his life when he remembered not the kindness that Jehodiah had done. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And again, thank you for the influences that you place in our life. And they're not there by accident. That you use other people to help mold us and make us. And help us to become the people that you desire us to be. Lord, help us to be reminded of how important those influences are. And how you use them to tr bring us to the place of deciding to follow after you. Again, I'm asking that you would help us with this message tonight, that your spirit would be involved, that the best I know how I surrender myself to you, have no desire to preach this in my own intellect, in my own strength, in my own skills. I'm asking that you would do it for me. Fill me with your spirit. You do your own work and that you would bless your word tonight in a special way. In Jesus name, amen. As we come here, we're going to see that there's an intertwined relationship between Joash the king and Jehodiah, in all essence, his stepfather, the high priest, his moral agent inside of his life, his greatest influence. And see how important this relationship was. And see some of the flaws inside of Joash's life. Now the first thing we want to bring up is how Jehodiah had saved him. How Jehodiah had saved him. Now remember that the shadow of Athaliah still is casting a deep shadow. That when Athaliah became queen and took the throne, she killed all of her grandchildren to ensure that she would not be challenged in her reign. Now, she was not in the lineage of David per se, and she was a pretender to the throne. Now, Joash was an infant during this time when he was saved. Let's actually look at this event. 2 Chronicles chapter 22. 2 Chronicles 22. And notice with me in verses, uh, starting at verse number 10. Uh, 2 Chronicles 22 and verse 10. But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all of the seed royal of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, by the way, Athaliah's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons that were slain, and put him in, in his nurse in a bedchamber. So Jehobiash, the daughter of King Jehoram, wife of Jehodiah the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from 
Athaliah, so she slew him not. So here we can see this daring rescue that Athaliah is on a war path, that she's killing everyone that's related. And so what happens is that this, uh, um, excuse me, that this aunt of little baby Joash came and rescued him, took him and his nurse, and they hid him. And he was adopted inside of the high priest who happened to be Jehodiah. They kept Joash secret and they raised him until they could arrange for the young man to finally take the throne. Athaliah attempted to destroy the entire line of David. Now, if Joash wouldn't have been saved, then there wouldn't have been a lineage of Christ. It would have been cut off. Remember that God had made a promise that someone from the lineage of David would always be on the throne. Well, Athaliah was attempting to wipe out this entire lineage so God could not even carry out his thing. We could see devil all in here trying to destroy this infant baby boy, but yet he's protected. For six years, this little boy lived in the temple while his uncle and aunt taught him the truth of the word of God. They had pretty much adopted him and was training him. During this time, he learned the law of Moses. May we give an equivalency? Here is a young man who grew up in what we would call nowadays a Christian home. He grew up in a home where they believed God. They grew up in a home where the word of God was central. He grew up in a home where the word of God and the service of God were all promoted. He was taught that he was expected when he became king to rule the uh, land based off the word of God. There was no other king that had this type of training to actually be trained by the high priest to walk with God. Remember, this is a time of great persecution where Athaliah is trying to put a persecution against anyone following God. And yet all it's doing is causing more and more people to actually follow God. It's having the reverse effect. Interesting enough that Jehodiah, the high priest, who adopted this little baby, was 82 years old when he adopted Joash. He was already old and ancient. 82 years old and getting a brand new baby boy and realizing that he was the only one that could take care of this little child and train him. Now as the years went by, Jehodiah helped prepare the people to get the wrong person off the throne and the right person on the throne. Remember we had saw about that. That Jehodiah had actually uh, put people in place. And said this is your job. This is your job. You protect the king. You watch this. Jehodiah had been actually working with the people. And preparing the people to respond properly. To what God had given. To have this change of leadership. He had kept the secret of this little boy. And finally revealed it to the people. That here is a child from the lineage of David. Now when you take time to look at this, there was a lot here that Jehodiah did for this little baby. He protected him. He kept him safe. He taught him. He nourished him. Even though he's 82 years old, he is invested in this child. He's invested in this young man. And can you imagine the expectations that he had for this young man? He is going to be a great ruler. He's going to rule off the... He has so much potential. Jehodiah had done so much for him. Now we saw first of all how Jehodiah had saved him. But now let's see how Jehodiah had influenced him. As we go back to chapter number 24, 
Notice now is Joash is king. And we could see Jehoiada's influence in helping this king to become the follower, to become the person, to become the king that he was supposed to be. Notice with me in chapter 24 verse 1. And Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. So this is quite a long time that he reigns. He's seven years old. Now, as seven years old, you're not really wise enough to and understanding enough to be the king that you ought to be. Can you imagine all the foreign policy, the domestic policy, the, the intrigue, everything here? So Jehodiah is actually standing behind him. Imagine this if you don't mind. Here is the young boy king. And behind him is the elderly high priest who has cared for him and loved on him. Someone who loves the word of God, loves God himself. And he has his hands upon the young king and says, I'm going to help you. You're going to be the great king and I'm here behind you. I've got your back. I'm going the same way. Let's do this together. And together they did. Notice if you don't mind in verse number two. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Notice this, the qualifier, all the days of Jehodiah the priest. So all why Jehodiah is alive, Joash did what was right. Why? Because of the influence that this elderly statesman had on this young king. He influenced, he helped him. He was able to bounce ideas off. He was able to encourage this young king to do what was right. Verse number three. Uh, let's go on a little bit. Uh, verse number four. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. Let's pause here. Where was Joash raised? He was raised actually inside of the house of the Lord. And he had watched as Athaliah had destroyed and plundered and pillaged and destroyed the house of God. Now as Jehodiah is starting to... Uh, is the the high priest and Joash is the young king as he starts getting older and older in his reign he gets to the place where he looks we can imagine that he's about a teenager at this time and he's looking he looks at the house that he grew up that God's house and he says something needs to be done about this I've been reading in my Bible that we're supposed to uh, take care of the house of God and look at it. The house of God needs repairs. Let's pause really quick. Remember, everything tends towards disorder. You can make something look nice, but guess what? It's always going to need repairs. Especially when you've got an evil queen that's trying to destroy it all. Notice as it goes on, verse 5. And he, the king, gathered together the priests of the Levites and said to them, Go out into the cities of Judah and gather up all of Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hasted not. So here, because of the influence of Jehodiah, he decided he was going to rebuild the temple. So he tried to do things right. Hey, Levites, your job is to help promote the word of God and promote the temple. Why don't you go out and tell the people that we have a need? I'm sure the people would be willing to give if they just knew that there was a need. Go out. And they go, uh, we'll get to it. And they weren't in a hurry. They were not motivated to it. So what Joash did is he went directly to the people. Verse number six, he brings in Jehodiah and says, Hey, how come the priests aren't motivated? All right, fine. Verse number six, for the son, uh, seven, for the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God and also dedica the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. They used this to serve the false gods. And at the king's commandment, 
they made a chest and set it without the house of the gate of the Lord. So the Levites were supposed to go out to all the land and say, hey, we need to rebuild the house of the God. Who's willing to give? But nobody wanted to go out and sound like the beggar. Nobody wanted to go out and say, we have a need. So Joash said, forget it. How about this? We just put a chest and we put it outside the house of God and tell people that if they want to give, they can give. Someone says, well, that's stupid. Nobody would do such a thing as that. Well, what happened? Verse number nine. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon the Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast in the chest until they made an end. Verse number 10 is an important verse that when people are right with God and they love the Lord, they have no problems giving when it's to the Lord. They have no problems giving. There's people who are looking for opportunities to do something for God. That's why it's important from time to time to be able to announce as a church to say, there's some things that we're working on and let you know what we're trying to work on because people are willing to give. Now, we're not trying to fleece the people and we're not trying to take them and shake them up. And that's not what he was doing either. He says, if you want to give, let's give. That's one of the things about having a chest. If you want to give, you're to give. There's no markings. No one saying, hey, this is my tithing envelope. It's just a free will offering. Whatever you want to do. There was no strings attached. There was no other thing. It was, if you want to give, please give. And what was the response? The people rejoiced. They were thankful. They were looking for opportunities to be a blessing, to try to serve the Lord. Verse number 11 now, when it came to pass, at what time the chest was brought to the king's office by the house of the Levites, when they saw there was much money. So they came out. Someone's probably saying, oh, this will never work. This is stupid. When they went to go check it at the end of the day, what? Look at everything that's in there. They go ahead and bring it back in, put it in the safe, take care of it. They put the empty chest back out. And the next day, more people gave. More people had the opportunity to give. Verse number 11, at the middle where we were at, they emptied the chest and took it and carried it to its place again. And they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Aren't you glad that God is able to take care of his house? Now, remember, there's no such thing as money trees. I wish there was. We'd go plant some, right? How does God finance his works? Through the giving of his people. Little as much when God is in it. God is able to provide and God is able to put it together. So what did they do with it? Verse number 12. And the king and Jehodi gave it to do such as the work of the service of the house of the Lord and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. What did they do with it? They did it to hire the people to redo the repairs. Praise the Lord. Repairs need to be done from time to time. And thankful that the people were able to give so they could do the repairs and do it correctly, do it decently in order. Verse number 13. So the workmen wrought and the work was perfected by them. That means completed. The work was done. They had enough to pay the workers and take care of them. And they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. So they were able to make some improvements on it. Not just do the repairs, but do some improvements for the glory of God. 
Verse 14, and when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehodiah, which was made vessels of the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister, to offer without spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehodiah. In verse number 14, they said, we got some more left. What should we do? Well, let's replace some of the things that need to be replaced. These furniture things that we use to make the bread, to do the table of showbread, to the altar of incense. Let's replace some of these things. Let's use it wisely. And they were able to get some replacements over some of these things. Some of these things were now a hundred or so years old. They needed to be replaced. And thankful for it. They were able to take care of it. And they did it by a free will offering that people willingly gave. And by what people willingly gave, they were able to take care of things. What a great time. Verse 15. But Jehodiah waxed old and was full of days when he died. A hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. Now remember, he brought in little baby Joash when he's 82. Now he's a hundred and thirty and he passes away. All during the time, most of Jehodiah's reign, he was there to guide and influence and help this young man. Notice how well he was honored, verse 16. And they buried him, Jehodiah, the high priest, in the city of David among the kings. Why? Because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and towards his house. So here's Jehodiah. They said, you know what? He's done so much for the kingdom, for God, for the kingdom, the state of the kingdom, to get rid of Athaliah, to protect this lineage. We're going to bury him right next to the rest of the kings. What a great honor they gave on the man of God. Now we had started dealing with the relationship of Joash and Jehodiah. That we saw first of all how Jehodiah had saved him. Then we saw how Jehodiah influenced him. But now we turn a corner here and we see here how Jehodiah was forgotten by him. How Jehodiah was forgotten about him. Here is a man who has influenced this king all of this king's life. If it wasn't for Jehodiah, Joash would have died. If it wasn't for Je- uh, uh, Jehodiah, Joash wouldn't have been king. If it wasn't for Jehodiah, he wouldn't have been influenced and brought the kingdom to a state of prosperity. But yet, despite all of this, he forgets about his mentor and the lessons that was taught. And something horrible happens. Notice in verse 17. Now, after the death of Jehodiah came the princes of Judah and made obedience to the king. And notice this, and the king hearkened to them. So Jehodiah dies. He no longer has this influence in his life. The, ki- the princes know this and they come up and say, King! You are the great king. And by the way, you didn't need some old man telling you what to do. You're your own man. You're wise in your own self. By the way, now that you're looking for an advisor, we'll be glad to help you out. And unfortunately, their influence was bad as, they listen, as the king listened to them. How do you know it was bad? Verse 18. And they left the house of the Lord their fathers and served groves and idols. And remember, we've talked about groves and idols before. Here, here's Joash. His legacy is to rebuild the house of the Lord and the free will offering. But he gets a couple people who says, we don't want to do that. It'd be more fun to go serve something else other than God. You don't have to worry about God. Why don't we do this instead? This will be more fun. This will be better. 
And they encouraged him to sin against God, to stop serving God, and to serve other false gods. Notice what happened. And the wrath came down, came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespasses. Verse 19, yet he, who's this he here? God. God sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them. But they would not give ear. Someone made reference that Joel the prophet was one of these. That we have recorded in the minor prophets. That Joel came and was telling them to repent, to turn. You shouldn't do this. Go back to serve your God. There's a great day of the Lord coming. You need to be prepared for it. Verse number 20. Here's another example. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah the son of Jehodiah the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath forsaken you. Now with this, let's take a pause and wonder, how did we get here? How did we get the place where there's preachers preaching to Joash and say, get right with God, get right with God. When just before, he was doing what was right. What happened? What happened is that he was compliant, but not submissive. Submission deals with the idea of the heart. Compliance carries the idea that because there's something expected of me, I'm going to do it because it was expected of me. How do you know this, preacher? How, do you, how could you say this? Well, notice with me in verse 5, and I want you to notice a word. Remember in verse 5, he's gathering up the priest, and he's gathering the Levites, and he's telling them to go build, collect money for the house of the Lord. But notice there is an important word Verse 5, And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said unto them, Go out unto the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God. Notice that word, your. He did not say, go out and go gather money to repair the house of my God. He did not say, let's go out to gather money for the house of our God. He said, go and gather money in the house for your God. You see, the only reason he was doing what was right is because he was expected to do what was right. He had someone who was keeping him accountable. And as soon as that accountability went away, his true colors showed. Why did he turn from God? Because he didn't really want to serve God. He never made a decision to follow God. You understand, there are people who are in Baptist churches or churches of any kind who've been in a church for 30 years and are there because they're expected to. This is what I'm supposed to do. There are some people who are held accountable and there's some expectations and the only reason why they do it is because they're expected to. There are some people who only read their Bible because they're expected to. There are some people who only give because they're expected to. But you understand, expectations can only go so far. One day you'll be removed from accountability 
And what happens then will show your true colors. To show whether you are submissive or compliant. We see this with young children who are raised in kids and churches all the time. That they're raised in church and they look just like a perfectly good child. But as soon as they turn 18 and they're out of authority, they'll never darken the doors of a church again. Why? Because it's a hard thing. They never made a decision to follow after God. They were only doing it because they were expected to. They were being compliant. And it's amazing to watch church kids turn to be some of the most evilest kids out there. What happened? It was a heart problem. It was a heart problem. They never made a decision for themselves to follow after God. By the way, this is why we have discipleship. You say, what is discipleship? We define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. And what we do is help people develop the habit by providing accountability. You say, wait a second. You just said that there are some people that only do things because they're expected to. Yes. But the wonderful thing about discipleship is that its purpose is to bring people to the place where they finally make a decision to follow God for themselves. And during discipleship, one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to make a decision to follow after Christ, or they're going to finally decide, no, this is not for me. You say, but don't people leave the church for that? Yes. But what happens is that everyone who remains are the people who've purposely made a decision to follow after Christ. And the end result is that they're strengthened. We all know people who've been in church for 30 years and never made a decision to follow after Christ. They've never been confronted. They're just there because that's what they're supposed to do, but their heart is not in it. This happens more than you think. Each person must come to the place where they make a decision to follow after Christ for themselves. Because as soon as the authority is gone, that accountability is gone, who they truly are will be revealed. If they don't want to be here, they're not going to be here. As soon as they can get away with it, they will get away with it. What's wrong? They need to make a decision for the Lord. That's what we see with Joash. If you had gone all the way up to... Uh, if we had ended this message right when Jehodi died, we would have been praising Joash as one of the greatest kings who ever lived. He must be godly. Look at all the things that he did. He was not godly. He just had good influences. And the good influences kept him in line. And when the good influences were gone, so was he. All it took was someone to say, hey, you don't really want to do this. Why don't you join with us? And he said, that's a great idea. Let's. And because of his leadership and because of those influences that he allowed to give him an excuse in his life, judgment came upon the nation because of his heart. Because his heart was not right with God. His actions were right with God, but his heart never was. And we saw that when he says, your God. Go raise money for your God. How else do we see it? God had to send preachers to go. Listen, you're not doing right. He sent Zechariah. Who is Zechariah, by the way? Zechariah is Jehodiah's son. Remember, Jehodiah was 82 years old. Zechariah was about 40-ish years old when Joash came to reign. Jehodiah was almost like a second father, if not an older brother to Joash. 
And so here is not just a preacher. Here is his family member who helped raise him, who helped take care of him, who helped kept protecting him. Notice what happens, verse 21. Zechariah is still continuing his message, verse 21. And they conspired against him. Sorry, it's not continuing the message. They, who's the they there? Joash and his uh, friends, they conspired against him, Zechariah, and stoned him, Zechariah, with stones at the commandment of the king. Where? In the house of of the Lord. Here's Zechariah who's preaching. Joash, get right. Where's he at? He's in God's house. And Joash says, I don't like your message anymore. And he commanded the preacher to be killed inside of the house of God. That's a long distance away from where he is. And again, who's the guy he killed? It happened to be someone who protected him, someone who kept a secret, someone who upraised him, and he was willing to turn his back and attack and kill the man who influenced him just because he didn't want to be under the authority anymore. He did not have his heart deciding to follow after Christ. Notice, if you don't mind, verse 22, as it gives a summary of this. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehodiah his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he, Zechariah, died, he, Zechariah, said, The Lord look upon it and require it. As Zechariah died, he says, God, you see what he's doing. You judge him. You take care of him. And did God hear his prayer? He did. What happened? Well, it came to pass at the end of the year, the Syrians came and they destroyed the people and they knocked out the people. Why? Verse 24, for the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men and the Lord delivered a very great host in their hand. Notice as God gives a comparison. How many people were the Syrians? A small company. How many people did they kill? A great host in their hand. Why? Because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they, the Syrians, executed judgment against Joash. And when they, the Syrians, were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases. So he had the Syrians come. Why? The judgment of God. He just killed one of God's prophets. He killed a man who influenced him. What else happened? Because of that, there was a sin sickness that came. He got sick because of his sin. And he had great diseases that no one could take care of. And as if that wasn't enough, his own servants conspired against him, the king, for the blood of the sons of Jehodiah, the priest, and slew them on his bed, and he died. So here his servants say, listen, this king is not who we expected. We expected someone godly, someone to lift him up. But instead, he showed his true colors. He's not right with God. He killed the man of God. It's his fault. The judgment of God is upon us. And by the way, God is not justifying them. He names his killers. But it's showing the, the people here, they're upset. That they got someone who's not following after God after he was portrayed as someone following after God. And notice what happened to him when he died. They buried him in the city of David, but, um, the, but, they, but they buried him not 
in the sepulchers curves of the king. They buried Jehodiah, the high priest, in the sepulcher of the kings. But Joash, they said, nope, put him aside. And as if that wasn't bad enough, you know what else? God took out his name and he is not mentioned in the Matthew 1 lineage. His name is not mentioned in that lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Was God pretty upset with him? Absolutely. Why? Because he never made a decision to follow after Christ. He only did what was right because that was expected of him. And as soon as he was out of that authority, out of that accountability, he did what he wanted to do and it was far away from where God was at. And anytime that God tried to remind him, anytime God tried to bring him back, anytime God had a preacher go with him, he reacted bad and attacked the preacher and killed the preacher. He did not want to hear his message. Why? Because he says, I don't want to be under that authority no more. Now, this is some amazing things here. Joash is usually portrayed as one of the good kings of Israel. And he may have been good, but he was not godly. And because of that, he was forgotten. He was despised. He was put aside even by God himself. What do we learn about this? What we learn is that each one of us have to make our own decision to follow after Christ. If you're doing something just because you're expected to, it will not last. You say, well, the only reason why I read my Bible is because I'm expected to. It won't last. Well, the only reason why I come to church is because they expect me to come. It won't last. Well, the only reason why I give is because that's what I'm supposed to do. It won't last. You understand you have to make your own decision to follow after Christ or it won't last. And by the way, it won't last it means that you'll go away and you will not want to ever have anything to do with God anymore. We watch church people do this all the time. You say, are you saying they're not saved? I'm not necessarily saying that. I believe there's some saved people, but because they didn't want to be under authority, they didn't want to do what was right, they never made a decision to follow after God, they finally overthrow and say, forget it, and they walk as far away as they possibly can. This is dangerous things. Every person must make the decision to follow after Christ for themselves. Or else, they are going to go so far away once they have the opportunity, they will not come back. Now, this is some dangerous things. This is why we need to be praying for people that they make a decision to follow after Christ. Not just to get saved, but they need to make a decision for themselves. I want to follow after God. Remember, the Bible talks about that God's commandments are not grievous. It's not a burden to follow God at all. It's not a weight. It is a liberty. It is a freedom that we have. It is no big deal to follow after God. It is the most wonderful decision you can make outside of salvation. But if you don't, one day you're going to come to the place. Not making the decision to follow after Christ means you made a decision not to follow after Christ. And one day you're, not, you're going to have it, you're going to be done with the Bible. You're going to be done with God. You're going to be done with the things of God. You're going to be done with the people of God. And you're going to be so far away. Except God intervene, it's going to be impossible to come back. Because you have put a block between them. We need to be praying. We all know people who are on this decision. 
who need to make a decision to follow after Christ. And again, we're not talking about bad people or evil people. We're talking about good people who need to make a decision to do the best thing. The best is the never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ, making a decision to follow after him. This is why we try to work with teenagers the best we can, because we know that they're the ones. They can't, they can't ride on their parents' coattail forever. They individually must make a decision for Christ. Again, I can't tell you how many pastor's kids I've seen that just go the way of the world. Why? They've never made a decision to follow Christ for themselves. They've only done what they expected of them because that's what was expected of them. Once they get out of that authority, they're on their own and they go far, far away. We need to be praying. Remember, all failures are prayer failures. We have to be praying for these folks. Maybe you have someone like that on your mind. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe there's someone out there that you know that they've just kind of been playing uh, hopscotch with, with God and church that, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. Pray that they would make their own decision to follow after Christ. That they would have the courage and bravery. That they would have the willpower. That they would have the desire to make that decision for themselves to follow after him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.